many years ago, I did location sound for an indie movie. It was a great experience and a lot of fun. I did learn that on-location sound is not for me, but the experience gave me a lot of time with the expensive location sound recorder rented for the production. That definitely was for me. For a good portion of the production, I was the only one doing anything sound-related. Fixing laughs, holding the boom, monitoring, doing the mix, making sure sync was right. Although I'm not really sure I was ever successful in being sure that sync was right. Getting room tone, etc. All that stuff. It was an indie movie, so, you know, everybody wore a bunch of hats. One day I show up, and this kid is there, someone who I haven't seen on set before. Uh, I think he might have been an NYU film student. I, I was only just out of college myself. And one of the producers, the guy who got me the gig, tells me that this kid is my boom op for the day. And I think, hell yes. One fewer hat to wear, I will take it. We set the scene. It's the first of the day. We get everyone in places. We're nearing the end of the film at this point, where the titular character finally arrives at his own birthday party, where... Over the course of the night, tensions have been increasing, and something is about to pop off. So while the first couple shoot days benefited from the buoyancy of a new production and the air of party possibility, the last shoot days struggled under the weight of a looming rap date, ever-thinning budgets, and the dramatic stress of in-narrative confrontation. So... Two characters are squaring off, on set, a bar. Uh, the whole thing was shot in one location because, you know, of course, they're in each other's faces, so close to one another that I can hear each of them breathing in the other's backup lav mic. My boom op is in the scrum, holding the boom aloft, one headphone on, one off, concentrating on being close but staying out of frame. The set is silent as we wait for the director to call action. And then, I think it was the script supervisor who immediately darted eyes to the boom op and asked, is it possible our soundie has not yet had breakfast? Turns out there's all kinds of reasons your stomach might growl. That characteristic rumble is caused by peristalsis, wave-like muscle contractions meant to move the contents of your digestive system around. But if you're hungry, that means there's nothing to move except air, which is exactly what you're hearing when your stomach gurgles. Big, squishy air pockets shuttled this way and that. Those particular gurgles, the hunger ones, tend to be the loudest because the empty cavity of the stomach, known as the lumen, emphasizes the sound. Yeah, that's right. Your gut rings like symphony hall. It's just you're hearing it through some layers of meat, so it ends up sounding like a muffled whoopee cushion. Or like someone shifting their weight in a bean bag on the other side of a wall. All this happens thanks to a hormone called ghrelin, which is released by your stomach, makes its way to the brain, triggers some stuff in the hypothalamus, which then triggers a bunch of hunger and appetite-related reflexes, including making your guts do the wave. 
you eat, you feel full. Your gut releases another hormone called leptin. This one tells your brain that you can stop eating because you're full and then your appetite is suppressed. The whole process repeats again about three hours later. With greater amounts of ghrelin released, the longer you go without eating. Interestingly, ghrelin is also implicated in things like memory, circadian rhythm, and desire for rewards. In animals, increased ghrelin levels are associated with increased food-seeking behaviors, more sniffing, more digging, etc. Which, I mean, I don't know, maybe explains why when you're really hungry, you might get a little frantic. Personally, I don't start to borrow when I'm starving, but I know that the hanger comes for all of us in different ways. You also might have noticed your stomach makes a ton of noise after you've eaten, too. It's the same deal, peristalsis, the wave-like contraction of your digestive system. It moves food around your body for digestion, and this just makes sound. I've read more than one gastroenterologist explain that this is just like hearing water rush through pipes, except it's not pipes, it's your innards, and it's not water, or not just water. It's also that Tampa bacon, avocado, black bean burger, and large cold brew you had for lunch. And if you're starving and you just completely destroy that black bean burger, you might be swallowing a lot of air, too, which can make things even noisier. Your stomach might growl a lot due to undigested food. That could be an occasional thing where the first waves of peristalsis miss some bits. Or it might be because of a gluten intolerance, for example, where your body can't break down certain quote-unquote foods and it gurgles with confusion at whatever mysterious foreign matter it finds. Conditions like colitis, irritable bowel syndrome, and diverticulitis, where parts of the digestive tract are inflamed, can also cause undue burbles. Not to mention plain old stress. If you're really at your limit, all kinds of things can make your stomach churn. I mean, you might just be tensing your muscles. Stress can upset your gut bacteria. Fight or flight might take blood away from your stomach and send it towards your extremities. And then when that blood returns to your stomach, your body might realize you are extremely hungry. Or you might just be burning the midnight oil and consuming only Cheetos, Ding Dongs, and Mountain Dew. A surefire recipe for gut cacophony. A noise show deep in the bowels. Which, I mean, what are the bowels if not the DIY basement venue of the human body? There's a sweet spot for gut noise density. The amount of grumbling that's normal is called, conveniently, normoactive. This, according to the Introduction to Health Assessment for the Nursing Professional, published by the Toronto Metropolitan University, is, quote, 5 to 30 bowel sounds per minute. Hypoactive is fewer than 5 bowel sounds per minute, which can be caused by constipation, medication, poor sleep, radiation treatment, all kinds of other medical conditions. And hyperactive is more than 30 bowel sounds per minute. This is normal just after a meal, but if it happens long after someone has eaten, it could mean they're having issues properly digesting food. We talked a little bit about this in a previous episode, the acoustic body, about the practice of oscillation. But this is something a doctor can diagnose by simply listening. They put a stethoscope to your stomach, get out the stopwatch, and go gurgle hunting. In addition to the density of bowel sounds, they also listen to their quality. Are they high or low-pitched, continuous or staccato? How many different types of sounds, whooshes, clicking, gurgles, rumbles, bubbles, make up the overall complex of gut noises? Like a mechanic listening to a motor's hum, your doctor can get a sense of what's happening to that black bean burger just by listening.
I think it's fair to say a lot of people, like my boom op back in the day, are a bit mortified by their stomach noises. It's this almost Victorian sense of propriety that some of us have, where it's often at least a little embarrassing when the body announces its presence. Rumbles, grumbles, sneezes, running noses, belching, and flatulence, of course. There's this attitude that the body is something over which we must master control. And when it interjects, it's almost like we've accidentally, momentarily released a small wild animal, or admitted in some way that we are one, which, you know, we are. So fair, but still taboo. Some people also see outward indicators of hunger as signs of weakness, like they haven't fully controlled their physical instrument and its demands on them need to be quashed or circumvented. You might see these attitudes around really intense diet and hustle cultures, people who associate simple biological markers of need with gluttony or laziness. Now, I'm not a medical professional, but these are not, I don't think, very healthy attitudes. In my travels doing research for this rumination, I found posts on things like ghrelin hacking, which, uh, I don't know, no thanks, not for me. I can see where people are coming from in the context of polite or sensitive company. You're in a job interview, let's say, and your stomach is just churning, churning, churning. Maybe you're stressed. Maybe you slept late and you didn't have time to eat breakfast, whatever it was. In a way, all horror is biological. And so uh, all that is biological is perhaps, you know, at least a little horrific. The secretions, gases, undulations, and extrusions of the human body might then give rise to various levels of mortification. They are, in fact, matter out of place, as sociologist Mary Oliver said of dirt. The inside coming out, a transgression of their seeming category. They're also maybe the private becoming public. At home, sure, transgress that border. At work, in class, on public transit. Eek. With the boom op, at least, the solution was simple. A five-minute pause, a bagel, back to work. If I remember correctly, the scene went all right, though I think we had a hard time figuring out how to keep the boom out of the wider shot, and you could clearly see one of the laughs in the extreme close-up. That was definitely my bad. Later that day, we also shot in uh, like a, a phone booth, like a phone booth without a phone. Uh, the bar had this really weird little alcove that two characters crammed into to have this private conversation, and to this day, I still think about how great that shift was from the wider sound world of the bar to the tight, dead, closet-like space. It's a really nice marker of intimacy that required no design. That's just what that space sounded like, and I only had to capture it faithfully. Anyway, I don't think you can watch that movie anywhere. I don't think it ever got released. I don't even know if it ever got finished. So as a consolation, instead of saying, you know, you can watch it at the link in the show notes, um, I'll leave you with one final tidbit, my favorite about all of this. The medical name for all of these gut noises, whether it's from being empty or full or distressed or whatever, is barbarigmy plural, barbarigmus, singular, B-O-R-B-O-R-Y-G-M-U-S. The most distant root of this word is uh, an ancient Greek word that I am, I'm not going to get the pronunciation of right, so I apologize in advance. Um, borborazine, uh, borborazine, B-O-R-B-O-R-Y-Z-E-I-N, which has the same meaning, a rumbling noise in the bowels, because at coinage, it was imitative. The medical name for stomach growling is an onomatopoeia. More worried me.
My name is Mike Rugnetta, and this short rumination on stomach noises has been reasonably sound. If you think you're suffering from disordered eating, there are a lot of resources out there for you. ANAD in the US and NEDIC in Canada are just two of many with hotlines that you can call. I'll put some links and phone numbers in the show notes if you or someone you know might need them. You can find Reasonably Sound on Twitter and Instagram at ReasonablySND and me on Twitter at Mike Rugnetta. In case you missed it, the Reasonably Sound Patreon has been purposefully deactivated, but if you'd like to support my work in general, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Mike Rugnetta. Reasonably Sound's theme and act break music are by Will Stratton, and its visual design is by Tita Tep. You can find Will at Will Stratton, that's with two T's, dot com, and Tita at Tita Tep, that's T-I-D-A-T-E-P dot com. <laughs>